Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. Our first readings are taken from different books of the Bible. We have Genesis 1, John's 14, and Acts 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of the truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When the day of Pentecost came, they were, all, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. And you'll see in your bulletin, the Apostles' Creed there, we're going to get to that in just a moment. but we'll get started here. So I'm going to ask that you pray with me again. Gracious and almighty God, God, I ask that that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but they would be your words, your words for your people, your message for your people. Amen. And so, all right, so today we find ourselves still in the middle of this worship series called We Believe as we look at some of the foundational beliefs of the Christian faith. We're also looking at them through the lens of Scripture and the tradition of the church, and especially our founder, John Wesley, might have viewed them. We've already spent some time looking at our belief in one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we tackled a little bit of the Trinity on our first week, but spent much of our time on the view of who God is. 
And you might, you might remember some of those names that we came up with, some of the names of, of who God is for us. Well, then we moved on to our views of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. We saw how the creed had spelled out much of his life in order to express exactly who Jesus is. We spent a great deal of time of, uh, on the work of the cross, uh, the atonement, or if you remember, the at-one-ment we experience by once again being at one with God in our relationship. And if you remember, John Wesley didn't take just one of those atonement theories, but combined many of them by saying that it was a substitutionary atonement and a moral influence, while at the same time being a healing experience and Jesus proclaiming victory over death and the grave. It can be all of those. It's not an either or, it's the both and. All theories have, have a place as it depends on our lives. So did you get to answer the question? If you remember a couple of weeks back that I challenged you with, I wanted you to answer that question for yourself of, who do you say that I am? As Jesus asked that question to, to his disciples, he asked that to all of us too. Who do you say that I am? Well, then last week, Andy did a, a wonderful job of talking about what we believe in in loving our neighbors. And so thank you, Andy, for that wonderful message and a, and a new way of looking at some things. And so I'm going to encourage you again this morning to make sure that you have your bulletins handy. It's got your compass guides in it. It's got little spots that you can take notes so that you can jot down a note so that when the Spirit speaks to you this morning, because I know the Spirit will speak to you this morning, you can write that down so you don't forget. So as we have done uh, over the past few weeks, uh, we have recited the Apostles' Creed, and I know that it is in your bulletin. I believe it is also on the screen, and so I'm going to ask you to join me in proclaiming our faith this morning again with this Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Core beliefs that we hold as Christians. And so today we're going to turn our focus to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Maybe the most misunderstood and confusing of the three, but I hope that after today, the Spirit will be a little bit clearer to you. On Pentecost Sunday, we remember when the Spirit descended on all of those who were there waiting in the upper room. A wild and rushing wind came into that room and things that looked like flames, flaming tongues rested on everyone's head and they began to speak in all different languages, but yet all could be heard and all could be understood. What an amazing encounter. What What power came over them that day? How wonderful this must have been. Then again, how frightening. 
I mean, can you imagine the sight, the sounds that were happening that day? The power of the Holy Spirit blew through that place and changed the lives of everyone in the room. That is power. That is transformation. That is the Holy Spirit at work. And that's only one instance. There is so much more. So, so let's get to work, shall we? Well, you see, when we recite the creed, it's, it always seems like the Holy Spirit gets slighted a bit. As we just read that, you can actually look at it in the bulletin and kind of see that the same way. I mean, really, we have all this about Jesus Christ and about who Jesus was, his life and his work. But when it comes to the Spirit, we get one line. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's it. No real description. No explanation. No list of what this, this person of the Trinity has done and is doing. Or is there? You see, if we really look at what follows that statement of our belief in the Holy Spirit, we find our belief in the church, in the saints, in forgiveness, and in resurrection, and in life everlasting. I would say that the Holy Spirit is involved in all of those things. In fact, it's because of the Spirit's action in our lives and throughout history that we all have that we have all that is listed in that creed. All of this is possible because of the Spirit. Now, before we get into what the Spirit does in our lives and in the lives of those around us, we need to notice something in Scripture. And you remember that I said that, that we can know many things about our faith through four points. The quadrilateral or the tetrahedron, whichever one you're thinking of. Scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. So one thing that I want to make sure that I, I share with you uh, is the way the Spirit is mentioned and viewed within Scripture. You see, if we look at the Old Testament, you look back through the Old Testament, we find the Spirit in supernatural scenes, always working in people that, that we would, I guess, consider remarkable. These are special people. We find kings being, being anointed with oil so that, so that the Spirit would rest on them and help in their leading. But in contrast, from the New Testament, we find that the Spirit working in the unremarkable. We find the Spirit filling ordinary people, people like you and me. It is the everyday people that the Spirit comes to. That wonderful day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon all those gathered in the upper room. This ragamuffin band of followers of Christ. There was nothing extraordinary about them. I mean, most of them, a lot of them were fishers, fishermen. Can't get more ordinary than that, can they? <laughs> but they all loved Jesus. And they wanted to follow him. But this tells us something incredibly important. I really want you to catch this. If you have ever felt or thought like you didn't belong, that others were better than you, that you didn't deserve the gift that God offers of grace, this scene tells us that that assumption is dead wrong. The gift of grace and the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all people, regardless of who you are. You are worthy. You are loved. 
and you are deserving. The gift of the Holy Spirit is there for the asking. This is good news. All right, so let's take a look at what the Spirit provides for us, what the Spirit does for us and and helps us with. First of all, I think we have to realize that the Spirit is active in all aspects of the order of salvation. This salvation is a gift of grace from God through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain very briefly about this order of salvation. You probably have heard some of this before, but John Wesley viewed this uh, from some of, the other, some of his other thoughts on this order of salvation. He saw it as an order. It was a process and can be seen through the grace of God. We recently talked about this. If you remember, we talked about this during our lavish worship series. And actually, if you want to go back, you can certainly go back to our YouTube channel and watch those messages over again uh, and catch it again. But John Wesley believed there are three major views of grace, prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying. There are a couple of others, but these are the main three. Prevenient grace is that grace that calls out to you before you even know that God is calling. It is the Spirit gently guiding you back into a relationship with God. This grace is at work within all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not. Justifying grace is that moment when the Spirit convicts you in some area of your life, calling you for a change. This is making the choice to repent, to turn from our ways, and to follow Christ. This is that point that it is as we justified never sinned. Justified never sinned. Now, because Wesley believed that this justification was not just a one-and-done thing, he brought out sanctifying grace. And sanctifying grace is where we spend most of our lives. This is where we grow in our faith, in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's prayer, meditation, study, worship, or service, we are empowered by the Spirit to go and do the will of God in our lives. I recently explained it this way during our, our lavish series, and actually just last Sunday at, the, uh, at a Walk to Emmaus retreat, that if we look at grace as a house, we can see that provenient grace, as you said, is the front porch. It's where you sit out there and enjoy that wonderful glass of tea or lemonade, the porch calling us to come and sit. Justifying grace is the front door. That is the thing that we have to do. We have to open the door. We have to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and we open the door and enter in. And then sanctifying grace is the rest of the house. This is where our lives are lived every day, growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, with with God. And throughout the order of salvation, we can see the power and empowering of the Holy Spirit in all aspects. So what does the Spirit do in our lives? The Spirit calls us out of complacency into something new. It calls us out of complacency into something new. I think we all have experienced this in our recent merger and revitalization and discernment around three goals of reaching new people in our community, engaging guests and members into the life of Journey of Hope, and helping those broken by life circumstances. There are plenty of ideas coming, and I hope that you're able to get on board with all of them and celebrate with us. You see, I think I've got this up on a slide here. The Spirit prompts us to action. It prompts us to action. In May of 2019, I got a call. 
I got a call from Darnether, Reverend Darnether Murphyth, that you all know probably pretty well. But I also believe that I got a call from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't on a phone. <laughs> phone didn't ring, and I picked it up and said, hey, this is the Spirit calling. But I got a call from the Spirit. It was a call to make a big move. I was being asked to move from Lanark, Illinois, from a church that was seeing revitalization and growing, not only in size, but also in their faith. And I was being asked to move to Elgin, Illinois, to a church that was asking a lot of deep, deep questions. It was clear to me that the Spirit was calling me to make this move and to engage with this faith community and the Holy Spirit to bring about a revitalization here in Elgin. Little did I know that a merger was going to be involved. <laughs> but I think, you know, if we look around, if we look around here this morning, we can see so many ways the Spirit has guided us. Amen? Have we seen a revitalization here in Elgin? Yeah. What else does the Spirit do? The Spirit enlightens our understanding of Scripture and many other things. I still remember spending a couple of days alone at my parents' trailer up by a lake as I was discerning that call into ministry. And many of you have heard the story, but after much prayer and meditation, reading scripture and a book given to me about ministry, I was just kind of sitting out by the lake and I was just reflecting on that. And even though it was 80 degrees outside that day, I felt this chill. The chill came over me that would not leave. And that's the only way I can explain it is the peace of God coming to me the power of the Holy Spirit lavished upon me. God knew that I was worried about this call of ordained ministry, and this was God telling me that everything was going to be all right. Everything was going to be all right. This was the encouragement that I needed from the Spirit. Something else the Spirit does for us, the Spirit intercedes for us whether it's in prayer or even in our conversations with others. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to say or how to say it, and then all of a sudden the words just came? I can't tell you how many times I found myself in that situation. Every time I get ready to speak with somebody or visit someone, I offer a prayer to God to send the Spirit to give me the words to say. Because I know that if they're my words, they're going to fall flat. I need God in those times. I do the same before every message. You hear those. I want God's words, not my words to be heard. And let me express something to you here real quickly. Sometimes it may not even be words. I remember a time of spending, uh, spending a moment with a family up in a NICU, a neonatal intensive care unit. Uh, they had just lost their infant. And I had no words to say. I didn't know what to say. The Spirit kind of told me, sit down. That was all it was. There wasn't a word to say. It was just, have a seat. And so I remember sitting in the corner and, and just sitting in the room with that family. And then the next day, well, actually, after I sat there for a while, I came up and they wanted a prayer. And we shared a prayer with them. And then I went, uh, I left them uh, to kind of process some things through. But the next day, I saw the family. I saw the parents. And they said, thank you. And I chuckled inside, and I said, for what? I didn't do anything. And I said, what was it? And they said, you sat down. 
Because in that moment, the world was spinning and there was too many things going on and we didn't know what was going to happen. And you sat down and when you sat down, it told us that God was not going to leave us. It gave them the message that God was with them and that God was not going to leave them. The Spirit spoke. Are we listening to the Spirit? I mean, there's so many other areas where we can see the Spirit at work. I'm sure that as you take time to reflect on the things going on around you, you're going to see the Spirit in everything. It's kind of our 531 moments of noticing what is happening around us. So here's my challenge to you this week. I want you to look all around you and truly see where the Spirit is at work. Look at your life. Look at the lives of those around you, the ones you know and the ones that you don't. And then at the end of each day, spend just a little bit of time thanking God for all the Spirit has done for you that day. And then ask for the Spirit's help for the next day and for the day after that. Because the Spirit is alive and well and the Spirit is in each and every one of you. We just need to tune ourselves in and hear the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we want to be in tune with the Spirit. We want to hear those messages. We want to experience the power. The power that comes through Your Holy Spirit. So God, breathe on us. Breathe on us Your breath of life. Fill us with Your Spirit. Fill us to overflowing. And then open our eyes to recognize all those spaces that the Spirit is with us. God, all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Spirit truly fall afresh on each and every one of us this morning and tomorrow and the day after that and all till eternity. May you go from this place knowing that God is always with us. It is a beautiful morning, is it not? Yes. Uh, the other thing is, is out at the Welcome Center, I know that there are some postcards for the Gingerbread Bazaar. And if you want to invite somebody, and even if you don't want to invite somebody, take some of those uh, and hand them out. Uh, give them to people, just invite them to come. Uh, and now, go forth from this place knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.